Amen. Well, if you got your Bibles, I'm excited about the word the Lord's put in my heart. See notebooks. I see the teens with pens and pencils and notebooks. Amen. This is better than anything you can learn in school. Can you say amen? I want to talk about something that I think is, is so vital and something that's so every day tonight. And I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand if you're one of these people, but we're going to ask ourselves tonight if we struggle with a spirit. How many know there's spirits that attack us? Amen. All kinds of different spirits, and I'm going to attack one tonight. Before I do, I want to tell uh, Kaylee and Eric, I just feel led to tell you guys, God's got his hand on your lives, and, and he's excited about the decisions that you're making. I don't even know what they are, but I, I know that God's brought you into this church for a reason, and uh, they're, they're, you're not the only ones, of course. There's lots of people making good decisions, but uh, you have done what every person that gets saved needs to do start coming to every service every event just get plugged in and uh, they get, get baptized and just all that stuff and so I just I just feel led to tell you just that the decisions that you're making keep making them don't let the devil lie to you and don't stop what you're doing because God's got his hand on your lives amen he's going to do great things through you guys <laughs> defeating the spirit of selfishness amen how many know we all battle with that? There's nobody in here that doesn't battle with it. Some of us may do better at it than others, but it is a spirit that is constantly attacking. And really, I would, I would go to say on record that possibly if we don't defeat this spirit, it would be the greatest hindrance to us doing something great for God. How many would agree with me on that? And I, I'm going to use my grandson as an example. And I told Destiny today I'll probably use him for the next 15 years. Amen. And it, especially at this age, when they're young, it, they do things that are, and you hear me talk about kids all the time, and they do things that's so picture perfect of the evidence of sin, the sin nature, uh, and selfishness, that very word. Amen. We talk about that a lot, that if you go to the nursery tonight, you would see the spirit of selfishness all over that place. But I, one example is we'll go to eat, we'll eat with him and we give him those little cereals, which are lifesavers, amen, keeps him busy. And he starts to grab those things and starts to pop them in his mouth. And lately he has been grabbing one and then putting it out to us so that we can have one. But then was he, once we get our mouths to it, not that he doesn't know that we really don't want it anyways, but we're going to play the game, amen. And we're going to go in and we're going to open our mouths and guess what he does? He pulls it back, puts it in his mouth. Basically, in baby terms, says, psych. <laughs> Just kidding. And I thought to myself, he, and he does it often, and he does it over and over again. He's been doing it the last few days especially. Put it out. We go. He pulls it back, puts it in his mouth, kind of smiles. And I thought, it's not enough to think about being unselfish. You have to follow through. And that's the thing that's really in my spirit tonight just praying this week, I, I, I want, and I'm, I'm going to preach, I always preach to myself first, but I'm going to talk to myself more than I talk to you. I want to be better at following through with unselfishness because the opposite of selfishness is unselfishness, and I want to be unselfish. I don't want to be a selfish person, and we need to understand, and we're going to see in some scriptures tonight, church, that we, we are selfish by nature. We're not unselfish by nature. Anything that is it is it is is good in our lives is is has to be taught. How many of you are starting to learn to understand that? 
You don't do it. Go, going back to that same thing with younger kids or younger people, you don't have to teach a kid not to lie. Or sorry, to lie. You don't have to teach a kid to steal. You don't have to ke- teach a kid to be selfish. They do. That's automatics. Those that sin nature just comes out. We have to teach a kid don't lie. To teach a kid. Don't take that. That's not yours. We have to teach a kid, don't be selfish. And so as we get older, what do we always say? We're just a bunch of grown-up kids in here. And we all have struggles in our own selves with selfishness. And so I want to talk about that tonight. But I want you to write that down if you're taking notes. Follow through. That's, a, that's an important word. Follow through goes to a lot of things. If you're if you were playing golf, you got to follow through on your swing. If you're shooting a basketball, you got to follow through on your on your shot. If you're doing something at work, you got to follow through. If you're started something, you got to follow through and finish it. How many know it's not good enough to start? You got to finish. And that's the the race that we're in is we don't want to just be starters in the kingdom of God. We want to be finishers. So we got to follow through. Every day when we wake up, we have to fight and defeat and recognize the spirit of selfishness. Let's listen to some verses here. Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. He says, Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind. And that's important. We have to have the right mindset. In lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. I mean, no one will just automatically wake up in the morning and say, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just ready to serve. We, we can make that decision, but that's not what our flesh wants to do. Our flesh doesn't want to even get out of bed. Our flesh just wants to pull the covers back over and stay in bed. If, if we could do what we wanted, we wouldn't go to work. We could do what we wanted. We would just, it would, everything all day long would be all about us, whatever I want. And so he's saying there's a battle there. And we have to esteem or think about others better than ourselves. Now, again, how many know this is a lofty goal and this is something we have to strive for? This doesn't come easy. Our flesh does not want to do this. But it says if we would start to, and this is where you start to see the difference in somebody who's, who's really overcoming in their Christian walk or somebody who's kind of immature in their Christian walk. Somebody who's overcoming starts to get to a place where they start to not only want to be unselfish, but they start trying to say, Lord, I want to give me opportunities to be unselfish. Give me opportunities to, to consciously place someone else better than ourselves. And then it goes on to say, let each of you look not out for his own interest only. Not that he didn't say don't look for your own interest because we do have to take care of ourselves. But not only for yourselves, but also for the interests of others. Father, on this Wednesday night, I pray for those watching online. I pray for those that are here in the sanctuary. I pray you speak to us tonight, God, because these messages in discipleship and and dealing with the flesh, God, are things that are so important and vital for us to be the Christians and the believers and the children of God that you've called us to be. We come against the spirit of of selfishness tonight, God, and pray that the spirit of unselfishness that is your spirit would be upon us tonight, God. Confirm your word and speak directly to lives tonight. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Here's another verse in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 24. Let no one seek his own, but each one the other's well-being. Now, just leave that up there for a second. We have to understand when we read a verse... It's a challenge. That's easy to read. We can all read it. Let no one seek his own, 
but each one the other's well-being. I want you to start to think tonight and this Wednesday night about tomorrow or today or next week or last week or situations where you had the opportunity to seek somebody else's well-being. And maybe you followed through and you did it, or maybe you pulled it back and didn't do it. And I think one of the biggest things as I'm preaching this tonight that I'm thinking of that we have to battle with is to not be motivated by self to do things for a a pat on the back. The Bible actually says, and I don't have these verses in the message tonight for you to see them, but in Matthew it says, don't let your left hand know what your right hand's doing. In other words, we don't go around, you know, we don't wake up in the morning and send out a text and call everybody and say, hey, I just want to let everybody know today, I have decided to be unselfish today. So today is all about you, and I'm going to serve you, and I'm, we don't do that. We don't announce what we're doing, we just do it. Because how many know it would be easy to announce it? It'd be easy to wake up tomorrow morning after this message and say, Lord, tomorrow morning I'm going to wake up, and tomorrow, not one time am I going to be selfish. That'd be a good decision. That should be a decision. But how many know you're going to come to the crossroads on some decisions, and you might fail in some of them? You might want to do, you might want to do the right thing. How many know we want to do the right thing, but the follow-through doesn't happen? And so that's the battle that I want you to see tonight. That we need to have an understanding that I've got to think about and consciously follow through because this is the attitude that Jesus had. I mean, we have a very lofty, high goal to achieve trying to follow Jesus. He did things that seem impossible. Not only the miracles, not only the signs and the wonders and the casting out demons and the raising of the dead, but to me, as I look at Jesus' life, honestly, those weren't the greatest miracles he did. I think the greatest miracles that Jesus did was Dying to his own self-will. Him dying to his own desires. Him, as we've talked about many times, dying to the power that he had in his life that he could have exercised that would have kept us from having salvation tonight. When he could have pulled himself off that cross or, or not gone to the cross. And so this is, this is definitely a challenge tonight. And it's something that hopefully my goal tonight by the end of the service is not that you would feel condemned, that you're not the best unselfish person in the world, but that you would make a decision, I'm going to be more like Christ, and I'm going to wake up every day and try to be the most unselfish person that I can be, because when I'm an unselfish person, I'm the most like Christ. Amen? Here's an interesting verse. So those two verses were kind of admonitions. Hey, let's, uh, just paraphrasing, let's, let's not be selfish Let's, let's humble ourselves. Let's look out for the interest of others. Let's not seek our own, but let's think about others' well-being. And so that sounds good. But then this verse is really interesting. I want you to look at James chapter 3, verse 16. This tells me that this is actually kind of a serious thing that we have to take serious in our walk. He says, Where, wherever envy... And we'll just leave this up for a second. I want this to, I want this to soak in and marinate, marinate like we're making a steak. I want this to tenderize your spirit tonight. Wherever there is envy and self, self-seeking exist, look what happens when selfishness and the spirit of selfishness wins. Look what those next few words say. Confusion and every evil thing are there. 
Can we just stay there just for a minute? Dude, does anybody, I don't think anybody in here in your right mind would say, I, I, I want my life to be full of confusion. I just want to be confused. Or I want every evil thing possible to be around me tonight. Who in their right mind would say those things? Nobody. Yet this verse is telling us that if we don't deal with the spirit of selfishness, then that's where every evil thing will be and confusion will be. Pretty powerful, isn't it? This is, this is, a, this is an area where, where God is, and listen, this is not an area we graduate. There's no degree in this. There's no diploma. There's no certificate of completion. Because you might get this right for a while, and someone of you that have been saved for a while would know and notice that you may have been doing this right for a while, and then you go through times where you become very selfish again. And then you get to other times where you become very unselfish and very generous, and you begin to think of others, and you're getting it right. And then you go back to that place again. And, and even though you don't want to, we would like to just get to that place and be there and stay there, but it's a battle. Because that spirit is not going to let go because the spirit of confusion wants to be evident. The spirit of confusion doesn't want to be idle. That spirit of confusion wants to be useful. That spirit of confusion wants to do what spirit of confusion does, confuse. That spirit wants to attack. And, and he wants there to be, and I, and I just want you to think about this for a second. Maybe in your marriage, maybe in your family. Whatever situation you want to put there, is there confusion? Is there, is there uh, every, evil things going on, things going on in the house, things happening? There, there's probably, a, not the, maybe not the only spirit, but a spirit of selfishness that needs to be dealt with. Amen? Can I get an amen? Am I preaching the truth? So again, this verse tells me selfishness is serious. Like everything, now I want you to get this. This is the meat of the message right here. Like everything in our Christian walk, this is, the again, the battle between two things, our flesh and our spirit. Okay? This is a battle between flesh and spirit. Got that? Between flesh and spirit. We have to understand that. Every decision we make, everything we do right or wrong, is whether we're winning that battle in the flesh and the spirit. Our, our, and we're going to see this right here. I'm going I'm to give you some powerful scriptures. And this will go beyond even selfishness tonight to many other things. But this is something right here that is, is sometimes so overlooked but so, so important. Paul the Apostle writes in Romans, if you've got your Bibles, Romans chapter 7. Such powerful scriptures. Because I'm thankful that God in his word addresses our human issues. How many are thankful that as you read the Bible, you see in there that people had struggles? This Bible would not work if every single story was perfection. And every single story showed nobody making mistakes. Like we talked about on Sunday, they would have left the Rahab, the prostitute story out. Or if they were going to mention Rahab, they would have just said, Rahab, this, this woman but they put prostitute. They put harlot. They put these things in the scripture to show us our humanity and that this is a constant battle between our flesh and our spirit. And right before I read these verses right here, what, what wins in the battle between flesh and spirit? What wins? What we feed. 
right? What are we feeding? If we're feeding our flesh, we're going to walk in the flesh. The book of Romans, actually, is a great book to read. And the entire book is about this battle between flesh and spirit. And he says, if you, if you walk in the flesh, in other words, if you're feeding your flesh, then you're going to fulfill the de- desires and the lusts of the flesh. But if you walk in the spirit, you're going to do spiritual things. You're going to fulfill the, the desires of the spirit. And so there's a battle every day. In church, I, I mentioned in, on Friday in discipleship, it was called no days off. We can't take a day off in the things of God. Doesn't mean we can't rest. Doesn't mean we can't have a vacation. Doesn't mean we can't have some downtime. But we cannot rest on the spiritual battle between flesh and blood. Between spirit and flesh. Now watch what this says here in Romans chapter 7. This is such powerful scripture. Verse 14. So the trouble, and and by the way, this is in the New Living Translation. Just makes it a little bit easier here. I'm going to read 14, then 15's up there. I think I, I didn't send 14. The tr- but it says, the trouble's not with the law because it's spiritual and it's good. And then it goes on to say, I don't really understand myself. How many could be honest and say tonight sometimes, I don't really understand myself? <laughs> we could just go home on that right there. Right? For I want to do what is right. I believe There's a desire now, okay? I can't say this for a non-believer. I don't believe there's a desire to do right in a non-believer. I'm not saying a non-believer can't do right or be good, but I think the desire, that's very important, the desire, the want to do right, to be right in God's eyes. I don't know about you. I want to be right in God's eyes. I want to be perfect in God's eyes. I want to be blameless in God's eyes. I, I, want to, I was praying this morning, just like I have men in my life that I want to make proud, my pastors and people that I honor in my life. I want them to look at my life and be proud of me and say, good job and, and so forth. More than that, I want God to be proud of me. And I want God to look down on me and say, that's my son. I'm pleased with him. How many could say that that's a desire for you tonight? So as a believer now, that goes without saying. He says, I, I want to do what's right. But here we go. But I don't do it. I want to get up in the morning and pray for an hour. But I don't do it. I want to give to God what's his. But I don't do it. I want to witness tomorrow to everybody God gives me an opportunity to share my faith with. But I don't do it. I want to love my wife the way she deserves to be loved or the way Jesus wants her to be loved, whichever, whichever one it is, but I don't do it. How many see what he's saying here? Instead, I do what I hate. This, oh, this is good. Let's read on. But if I know what I that what I'm doing is wrong, then, and listen, I just want to throw this out there. Don't, this, this could very easily be taken, this, this 10 verses, for sin things. Okay? Sin. Just straight up sin. But I don't want you to think about just sin. I want you to think about anything. It could be just selfishness, and I believe selfishness can be a sin, but I don't want you just to think about sin. I want you to think about anything. 
this shows that I agree that the law is good. So I am not the one doing wrong. It is what? The sin, or in other words, the sin nature that is living in me that does it. So before you move on, what this means here is if, if I'm not doing what I'm supposed to do, then who's winning at that moment? Flesh. Period. If I do what I'm supposed to do, spirit wins. And this is every day. And every decision. All day, every day, all week, making decisions. And Paul breaks this down so clearly. Let's keep reading. And I know, this is important, that nothing good lives in me. That is in my sinful nature. We need to get to a place where we we hate our sinful nature. You don't want to be that person anymore. You don't want to be around that person anymore. Anything that looks, smells, sounds like the old person, I don't want anything to do with that person. That's kind of why we talk about how important it is that even though we talk about our testimony and we have to do our testimonies and there's times where we, 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 we have to humble ourselves and really hurt ourselves sometimes even to share our testimony because it hurts, we shouldn't do it in a way of boasting because we don't like that person anymore. We're not proud of who that person was, regardless of what you did. But there's nothing good in me. That's my sinful nature. And here we go. I want to do what's right. But this is important. Don't get this wrong. Don't change it yet. I want to do what's right, but I can't. So does that mean we can't? No. It means we can't do it in the flesh. I want to do what's right, but if I want to do what's right in the flesh, I'm going to lose. But he says, I can't. I can't do it. I want to, but I can't. Verse 19. I want to do what's good. Here we go again. I want to do what's good. I don't know if Pastor Jones coined it, but he says it a lot, and it's something I've always remembered. The, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. We can have good intentions all day long. I want to do what's right. I wanted to do what's right. I, I, that don't matter. What, I, what, did I, what was the first thing I said in this message in the very beginning? Follow through. Follow through. That's what's in my spirit. I want to be better at following through on my unselfishness. But I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. But if I do what I don't want to do, he says it again. Do you think he's repeating himself like dementia, like he forgot? Or do you think he's repeating himself because it's important? I'm not really the one doing wrong. It's the sin living in me that does it. Now, this is important. Don't take that for blame. Go back to the prior verse. Thanks. Don't take that for don't take that for an excuse. Well, I, I just didn't know what I was doing. It was my sin nature. Don't, don't make an excuse. Just realize it's the it's the flesh, but you control the flesh by the spirit. So we can't blame it on there and say, I just couldn't help myself. We've been talking about that for years now. Stop saying I can't help myself, because you can. Because the Bible says that one of the fruits of the Spirit is what? Self-control. So you can. But it takes a decision. Let's keep reading. I have discovered this principle of life. That when I want to do what is right, I inevitably fail. I do what's wrong. 
Now, how many could agree with this verse 22? I love God's law, or in other words, God's word, with all my heart. I want you to see, just see tonight, how, how many of you can say you love God's word with all your heart? Let me see your hands. All your heart. You love God's word. You, there's a desire in you want to fulfill this word. You don't want to sin. David said, I don't want to sin against this word. And, and, and Paul's saying it, and we're saying it, and I believe that our desire is genuine. Then watch what it goes on to say as it begins to close here. But there's another power within me that is at war with what? My mind. This power makes me a slave. And again, i got to say this again. If we're not defeating it. This doesn't mean that I can't defeat it. It means that I'm walking in the spirit or flesh more than in the spirit. He says this power makes me a slave to the sin. In other words, if I don't conquer the flesh, I'm going to be selfish every day in every situation. I'm going to be selfish. I'm going to revert back to my baby times. Mine. No. Give me. We're going to go back to that because it's our nature but we have to fight that and have to defeat that and have to make a decision in our spirit to say, no, the power, this power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Meaning we have to be defeated every day. How many know Paul said, I crucify my flesh every day. I die daily. This does not come to the altar one time as some people erroneously think. Say a prayer and you got your ticket to heaven. That's where spiritual warfare begins. That's where the real battle begins. When you realize now I am born again, but now I still have to deal with that old man every day. And then as we've talked about before, other people that that come upon us. But tonight this isn't about other people. This is about us, personally. Me dealing with my selfish self. He says that power makes me a slave. Now watch this. Oh, what a miserable person I am. How many would raise their hands with me on that and say that you felt like that before? Oh, what a miserable person. i got a few honest people in here. What a miserable person I am. Not to degrade yourself, but to humbly admit, I can't do this by myself. I'm powerless. Paul said, I'm the chief of all sinners. So he says, here's the question. Who, how many know as we've read these last nine verses, it can sound a little hopeless. I mean, Paul reiterates two or three times, I want to do right, but I can't. And I think, I believe, not on purpose maybe, but I believe a lot of Christians use those nine verses as a crutch. Am I talking to anybody here tonight? It's a crutch. And how many know crutches are to be used sometimes? When you need a crutch, you use the crutch. But some people live on crutches. God doesn't want you living on crutches. And so we'll take those verses and and we'll make a mistake, we'll sin, we'll be selfish, we'll do something wrong, we'll lie, we'll manipulate, whatever. It could be a small sin, a big sin, and we go, I just couldn't help myself because, like Paul said in Romans 7, I want to do right, but I just can't. And they'll they'll just take these first nine verses, but they don't get to this part, and he says, 
He starts to say, I'm a miserable person. I want to be unselfish. I want to be giving. I want to be generous. I want to do what's right, but I just can't. And then he says the, the good question, who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Now, how many know, go back for a second, how many know if we didn't, if we didn't have this next verse, we, we would go home sad tonight? Because what's the answer? The question's there. Who's going to save me? But thank God there's an answer. Verse 25. Thank God. Come on, shout, shout that out with me. Thank God. Thank God. The answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. The answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. I can be unselfish. I can win the battle of flesh every day. I can have the desire to do right and follow through. So you see how it is in my mind, and he just now he's just re reiterating the whole thing. I really want to obey God's law, but because of my sinful nature, I'm a slave to sin. But right there in the middle, the answer is Jesus Christ, our Lord. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Amen? I can't do it in my own strength, but I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I am more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. God has not given me the spirit of fear, but love and power and sound mind and discipline to overcome these demonic forces, to overcome my selfish self. How many can see tonight in this message that a lot of times, and as I'm even pre preaching this, I'm thinking about this, a lot of times we're concerned about who's affecting our walk with God. Who around us is being a bad example? Or who around us is speaking bad things about us? Or who around us is being a bad influence? And we talk about all those things. We've talked about those things recently. But who could recognize that possibly the person that you're looking in the mirror at every day is your worst enemy? Your selfish self. Your selfish self. Who wants to wake up and it be all about you. And God says, I want to use you so much. I want to do such great things through your life. I want, I want people to be saved through your life, but I need you to get over yourself. I need you to defeat the spirit of selfishness and stop worrying about your problems and start thinking about the problems of others. And I can tell you tonight, I don't have it perfect, but one thing I know the Lord has given me that helps me that I try to have in every situation I face is, and you've heard me say it a million times, Lord, someone's got it worse. Let me focus on somebody else's problem. Somebody has it worse than me right now. Amen? Is that true? Because the, the flesh always wants to bring it back to us. Well, what about me, God? It's like when we talk about the testimonies. You, you want to you give yourself an exam in here tonight? I thought about some, giving yourself an exam, a little quiz. You know how you take quizzes and you find out who you are? And those, I, I, I thought about asking you some questions. But I'm just going to give you a simple answer. Think to, to the times when somebody gets up here and testifies. Do you want to know if you're a selfish person or if you're an unselfish person in general? Just think back to your attitude 
when somebody gets up here and testifies. And that'll be your answer. Because if you are walking in the spirit and you are an unselfish person and you are winning that battle, when somebody gets up here to testify, you are glad for them. You're not jealous and you're not saying, Lord, when am I going to get mine? Lord, how come that hasn't happened to me? Hello? I know I'm hitting home with this one. That's the, that's the test. You don't have to be that way. You can get to a place where you say, Lord, I'm glad they got that because they probably needed it more than I did. I'm glad they got that because you wanted to give that to them. I'm happy for them. And, Lord, if it's your will, one day I'll, I'll get that too. But I'm going to keep praising you and worshiping anyways, and I just want to be happy for that person that got their blessing. Amen. I just want to make sure they know in my spirit I'm not selfish. There's plenty of blessings to go around. How many know God's got a lot of blessings? But maybe your spirit of, of selfishness is keeping you from getting the blessing. Amen? Maybe. So as we close, the opposite, obviously, of selfishness is what? Unselfishness. And I would, I would if you're taking notes, I would write this down. A servant's heart. I want a servant's heart. I want to have a servant's heart. Do I, do I do that perfect? No. Do I do it all the time? No, but I want to. I want to have a servant's heart. How many would like people, when they talk about you, to say that you have a servant's heart? How many would not like people to say when they talk about you, that person's selfish? They're so selfish. Is anybody else like me? This is just me, but has anybody else ever thought, given any thought to what your funeral would be like? What would they say at your funeral? I've been to funerals. I've done funerals. And some of them are very happy, and it's a celebration of that person's unselfish life and servanthood to God, and other ones is very sad. Because you're, you're struggling and striving and sometimes almost lying to find something good to say about that person. How many does not want that to be your funeral? That they wouldn't have enough time for the people to get up and talk about the servant's heart that you had. The things that you did for them that was selfless is what I'm talking about tonight. Quickly, Acts 20.35 says, I've shown you in every way. By laboring like this, that you must support the weak. And remember the words of the Lord Jesus himself. He says, it's more blessed to give than to receive. I'm telling you, if you could get to that place, there's a place where you can be where you're, you're happier to give than to receive. But if you're looking out for your own interest, then there's a selfish problem there. And then here's one more. Serve. The word serve. Servant's heart. Galatians 5.13. For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. This goes back to exactly what Paul was saying. Don't use your liberty as an opportunity for the flesh. But through love, serve one another. So every opportunity, church, you have, you can, you have an opportunity to get something from that situation or you have something to give to it. Did y'all hear that? Let me say it again. In every opportunity, you have an opportunity to get something from it or to give something to it. If you'll get to a place where you're unselfish, 
and you give to that situation, I have found that what you give up here is greatly rewarded there. When you die to yourself here, he says, if you humble yourself here, you'll be exalted there. Now quickly, as I know the musicians are heading up here, write this down, just a few areas that I think we could take out of here tonight to focus on that we may be tempted to be selfish in. This doesn't mean it's all of them. Number one, and it's not, not in any order, we could be tempted to be selfish with our spouse. Not dying to ourselves to the other person in our marriage. Okay, number two. These are just things that came to my spirit as I was praying. This isn't all of them. This isn't in order with our kids. Someone just asked me recently, how do I raise my daughters? How do I, how do I be a good example? You have to spend time with them. You have to be unselfish. You have to, you have to pour into their lives. Good kids aren't, don't, don't be, aren't raised good on accident. It takes work. It takes unselfishness. Number three, with our money. Constant temptation. Constant temptation to be selfish with our money. God is saying, give it and I'll give you more. And our flesh is saying, keep it because you won't have enough. Constant battle. And number four. And most importantly, for sure, with our witness. Selfish with our witness. Some of you in here have a testimony that could reach so many people, but you don't share it. You don't tell anybody about what God's done for you. You don't share what Jesus says, how he's changed your life. And we can be selfish with our testimony. Selfish with the witness. Selfish too, too selfish to pray. Too selfish to read the Bible. Sometimes too selfish to come to church. Sometimes. You're here, you won the battle tonight, but maybe you weren't here last Wednesday. Maybe you came in prayer tonight, but you didn't pray last Wednesday. I'm just giving you examples. Maybe you woke up and prayed today, but you didn't yesterday. Maybe you read the Bible today, but you didn't yesterday. How many are seeing that this is something you have to do every single day? It's a battle. It's a battle. It doesn't come automatic. How many know work ethic doesn't come automatic? You have to see it in somebody and admire it. Last verse, we'll pray. Matthew 23, 1. This sums it all up. What does it say? It said, who's the greatest? Who's the greatest, Jesus? He who is the greatest among you is the one who serves. That's across the board. None of us do it perfect. None of us do it right. None of us do it like we want to. But there's a desire tonight. Lord, I want to be a servant. Father, I want to beat this spirit. I want to defeat this spirit of selfishness. Paul said it so good in Romans. Lord, I pray that people would go back and read that again and again, that they would see that there is a real battle between our flesh and our spirit. And Father, the truth is, the bottom line is, when we're winning, when we're victorious, when we're joyful, we're winning this battle of selfishness. 
Let, let, let your people see that tonight. Because I see it in my own life. When I'm selfish, I'm not happy. When I'm selfish, I don't feel good. When I'm selfish, I'm not, I'm not doing what God wants me to do. I'm, ex- I'm ex- upset with myself. Even though I feel like I'm getting my selfish gain, I'm really hurting myself. He who wants to be the greatest should become the least. He who wants to be exalted should humble themselves. Principles tonight, God, that are not easy and don't come easy. But I know tonight one thing for sure, Lord, there's a desire in here. There's a desire. And where there's a desire, Lord God, you can do something. How many in this place tonight all across this service need to make some decisions? Maybe you're in this place tonight and you have been losing this battle over and over again, but by the power of the Holy Spirit tonight, this word has given you some confidence. It's given you some hope that you can overcome that selfishness. Maybe it's turned the light bulb on in your spirit and you realize, man, a lot of the problems that I'm having are stemming from the fact that I'm not winning this battle. Some of you in here tonight might be saying, I've been excusing my sin, I've been excusing my mistakes because I've been giving in to that thought that I, I can't do it. And Jesus says, I'm the answer. Where you are weak, I am strong. Come to me, all you who are burdened and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. My burden is easy. My yoke is light. Come to me, and I'll give you rest. When we abide in Jesus, when we abide in the shadow of the Almighty tonight, God does things in us that are not possible in ourselves. We die to ourselves tonight. And that's exactly what happens when somebody gives their life to Jesus Christ. Paul said, it's no longer I that live, but Christ that lives within me. How many all across this place tonight need to believe on Jesus and put your faith in Jesus and be saved and be born again? And you want to make that decision for Christ tonight, just lift up your hand. We'll pray tonight. Put Jesus Christ as Lord and Master and Savior in this house. Maybe you're here and you're running. Maybe you're here and everything looks good on the outside. You're fooling your parents. You're fooling your family. But inside of you tonight, there's a selfishness that needs to be defeated. God can help you tonight at this altar. Maybe you're watching online and you're not saved. If you died tonight, you'd go to hell. There's hope for you tonight. Jesus said, call on me and I'll save you. He who believes in me, though he were dead, he shall live. As we stand across this place this, tonight, I want to pray for those that are online tonight, those that are listening on the podcast, possibly someone here who doesn't have the boldness to be able to raise their hand and say, I need Jesus tonight. We're going to pray a prayer of, sin, of salvation We're going to admit that we're sinners. We're going to repent of our sins and allow that person watching online to be saved tonight. I want everyone in this place to repeat this after me. Lord, I come before you humbly tonight in need of a Savior. The wages of all my sin is death. And I know I fall short of all your glory. I'm the chief of all sinners. But I come to you and ask you for forgiveness. 
I admit that I'm a sinner. And I believe that you died on the cross. And you rose from the dead. And I confess to you that you are Lord. I I believe on you. Save me tonight. Forgive me of my sins. Wash me clean of all my mistakes. And make me a new creation. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.